Brothers, I'm so proud of you for coming out and encouraging one another. Our guest speaker that night is here this morning. His name is Brad Rosenberg. He's about to come and speak to you. Uh, Brad, for many, many years, was pastor. He'll tell you a little bit about that, including in this area for a while. But his hometown is Cincinnati, and he eventually went back to Cincinnati to take over his dad's church. Between him and his dad, there was a Rosenberg pastoring Tri-County Church there in the Cincinnati area area for about 50 years. 20 of those years was by Pastor Brad. Now, when he took the church about 20 years ago, they were giving annually $300,000 to missions. It's incredible. An amazing missions church. By the time he left about two and a half years ago, he left that church and now is full-time with Convoy of Hope. As he passed the baton to the pastor that would follow him, they were giving annually $2 million isn't that amazing? To missions, to world missions around the world. It's incredible. He's got a, a, a huge heart for missions. Now, before I forget this, um, my father-in-law, Larry Burbacher, some of you have met him. He pastors in South Carolina. Before that, he was Brad's youth pastor in Cincinnati, Ohio, just kind of a, a small world. So the next time the Burbachers are here, you can ask, hey, how was uh, little Bradley there in, uh, in, youth, in group. youth group? But that's a kind of a cool story for you. But listen, no one has a bigger heart for the things and the priori- priorities of God, which is missions and the heart for the lost than Pastor Brad Rosenberg. He doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. Right now he's full-time with Convoy of Hope, which was one of our strategic missions partners. If you're new to our church, uh, we strongly believe in the ministry of Convoy of Hope, and he is a senior vice president there at Convoy of Hope based out of Springfield, Missouri. But you're gonna love to hear a good word from him today. So Calvary family, would you do me a favor? Make welcome from Springfield, Missouri and Cincinnati, Ohio. Pastor Brad Rosenberg. Well, good morning. So great to see you guys. And I was really looking forward to being here because this is kind of like coming home for me uh, because um, in 1995, uh, my wife and I moved to uh, Baltimore well, not Baltimore, we were, our church was in, in Lutherville, and um, I served as a youth pastor there, and we couldn't afford a house in Baltimore, so we lived in Sykesville, so we weren't far from here, and so when Pastor Benny picked me up at the airport, we went straight to Sykesville, where my wife and I used to have a date every Monday night at E.W. Beck's, and uh, had a great meal there, and so it's good to be back in this part of the country And you guys look wonderful. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look fantastic. And since Pastor Benny already started it, why don't you turn to the other side and say, how about you taking me to lunch? (laughs) You know, before I get into the message this morning... um, How many of you know for the past two and a half years, we kind of gone through a humdinger? (laughs) I mean, you you remember something happened for the last two and a half years? Uh, It's been crazy. But um, I was speaking in Fresno, California, and um, there was a, a professor there at Fresno State who did some research on global pandemics prior to 1918. And prior to 1918, No global pandemic ever lasted more than two or three months at the most. 
And there were two reasons for that. One, there were no medications. You either lived or died. And the second one was nobody traveled anywhere. Not only did they not go to another state or another country, they didn't even go to another village. So it came in, did what it was going to do, and was done. So that means leading an organization in the last two and a half years with something like that happening was the most difficult time in recorded history to lead an organization. No one had ever done it in the history of the world prior to that. Before going to Convoy of Hope, I had the first four months of COVID. I know it would never happen in this church, but in my church, I got emails that said, Pastor, unless you make everybody in that church wear a mask, you will never see me again. Followed by emails that said, unless every person in the church takes that mask off, you will never see me again. I mean, strong opinion. This isn't a political statement. Just strong opinions on both sides. And when someone has to manage that tension and help everybody get along, how many of you know that requires tremendous leadership? And so what I would like for you to do this morning is to pretend for a moment that the Ravens won the Super Bowl. And I want you to clap and cheer and whistle and scream and let Pastor Benny and Pastor Kelly know how grateful you are for their leadership at this church. They, you know, I travel across the country every weekend. I'm somewhere else. And I'm telling you, these two people are special. You're, there are all kinds of churches who'd like to steal them. No, you're not supposed to do that in church, but I would encourage you to hold on to them, love them, bless them, pray for them, follow the lead that God has given them, and, and watch God's favor continue to fall on this church. Can you receive that this morning? Amen. Well, I'd like to uh, quickly give you a, kind of a big... 30,000-foot overview of Convoy. For those of you who don't know, I know some are new to understanding what Convoy does. Others are, have been long-term partners. But on the screen, you'll see a, um, an overview of what's been happening. And I wanted to let you know that currently, we feed 465,000 children every school day in over 3,000 feeding programs around the world. That's because of friends like you. Just this year we empowered 34,000 women in their own micro-business enterprise. You know, it's sad to say, but it's true. In some parts of the world where we are, mothers literally have to choose which of their children they're going to feed. Can you even imagine? And yet when we give them their own business, whether it's, it's chickens or goats or uh, sewing or something to help them with seed capital to get started, not only are they able to take care of their own families, but they're able to assist other families in their villages. So 34,000 women and girls we empowered this year. We trained over 23,000 farmers globally because we know that through agriculture, that will break the cycle of poverty. And so, and what we do when we give them best practices, we give them seed, we give them fertilizer, we give them training. But here's the cool thing, when we train a farmer overseas, they have to give 10% of their crops back to the warehouse. That way, they're going to break the cycle of poverty, and we're going to work ourselves out of a job. We're going to move 13 miles down the road to a new village and try it all over again. 
But that's how you break the cycle of power. At Convoy of Hope, we say, we're going to feed your kids, but we're not going to feed their grandkids because we want to provide a solution that breaks the cycle of poverty. Amen? And then uh, this past year, just this year, we've been in 64 disasters, uh, both domestically and internationally. Half of our team right now is in uh, Pine Island and Fort Myers and uh, Sanibel in that area, helping with the recovery. The other half are outside of Ukraine in Poland and Romania. Now, I'm going to show you a slide that's pretty fascinating. Prior to the war happening, Convoy of Hope already had program centers in Moldova, Romania, Hungary, Slovakia, Poland. We were surrounding the country before the war ever broke out, which meant as refugees were fleeing, they were walking right into areas where we already had team members. How many of you know God's in control, right? And since that moment, this is pretty amazing, we currently have two warehouses in Poland, one in Romania. On this border here, this is where most of the refugees would go, and women and children were the only crossing because all the men stayed in Ukraine. Right here on this border, Convoy of Hope has already personally handed out over two million diapers to moms as they crossed the border there. Just last week, there was a company that partnered with us, and because winter is coming, right here on this border as they were coming, we provided for over 100,000 children waterproof winter boots for the cold weather. Isn't that amazing? So God's doing some really neat things. And, and in this part of Ukraine here, uh, we've serviced over 10 warehouses around this area. And then inside the country, we do everything, is, everything that we do is tethered to the local church. We want the local church to be the hero in their community. So there are over 350 points of distribution inside Ukraine through churches that we are providing product for, that they are giving out, and we've now reached over 85% of the country of Ukraine. Isn't that wonderful? That's because of friends like you. And there is, let me say this, there is no us without you. So thank you for your partnership. You know, um, you know what it takes to meet the needs of others? Anybody, any thoughts? Resources. It takes money. Some of you are looking at me like, I didn't get up this morning to hear that. Turn to this person and actually say, it's going to be okay. It takes resources. And to give us some background and context, in Scripture, there are 2,300 verses that deal with money, possessions, or resources. To give some perspective to that, there are about 500 verses on prayer and about 500 verses on faith. There are 2,300 verses that deal with money, possessions, and resources. How many of you say God has something to say about this? Right? So, if you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't, it will be up on the screen where you can read along and see it. Let's get started. Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's one of those verses that if you can't say amen, say ouch. 
How many of you ever read a passage of Scripture and after you read it, you're like, oh, shoot, I wish I hadn't read that? Right? Once you're responsible for what you've read and heard, God has something to say about this. And the challenge is, is God's definition of success and the world's definition of success are diametrically opposed. It's a massive problem. Because the world's definition of success is about how much I get, how much I accumulate, and how many people are under me in the flowchart at work. Right? Flip that upside down. God's definition of success is about how much I give away and how many people I serve. Ah. The challenge becomes, how do I live as a follower of Jesus Christ? How do I live right side up in an upside down world? How many of you want to live right side up? You want to be who God has called you to be and live the life that he's called you to live. The life that he has called us to live is a life of radical generosity. Everybody say radical generosity. Radical generosity. Now living a life of radical generosity is trying to move from greedy to generous. It's trying to move from stingy to sharing. Everybody say sharing. Now, sharing is a crazy word. How many of you have ever had a toddler in your house? Okay, I heard the, oh, yeah, I heard that. How many of you have ever gotten on the floor in your family room with a toddler and a bunch of toys? Anybody? Here's what happens in that scenario. The toy that the toddler has in his hand is his. There is a ninja grip on that bad boy. A toddler holds on. This is mine. Here's something else you will discover. The toy that you have in your hand is also his. Every little kid learns this. My, mine, mine. They want to hold on. And our sinful nature, the worldly desires is this is mine and I'm going to hold on to it. When the truth is, everything we have is a gift from God. There's no blessing in your life that didn't come from God the Father. You're saying, well, you don't know how good I am at my job. Who gave you your brain? Everything you have is a gift from God. And so we try to move from living like this to living like this. Because if we live open-handed, I believe if God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. But if you hold it up like this, it's not going to come there. Because when we live like this, he can add to it. Or he can take away or he can disperse it somewhere else. But when we know it's his, Scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Newsflash. He owns the hills under the cattle too. It's all his. Say that with me. It's all his. It's all his. So let's talk about sharing for a moment this morning. My favorite story in the Bible on sharing is found in John chapter 6. And we're going to start at verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now verse 6 is awesome 
little pause right here in the passage. If you have your copy of God's word and you're comfortable with that, I would encourage you to underline or highlight verse six, okay? This is amazing. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Somebody should have said, thank you, Jesus. Okay, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lob out a free nugget this morning, okay? It doesn't matter what happened in the midterm elections. It doesn't matter what's happened with cryptocurrency. It doesn't matter who you voted for and who you didn't vote for. It doesn't matter whether inflation is up or down. God is on the throne, and he already has in mind what he's going to do. Okay? He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's everywhere, and you can trust him. God's not up there wringing his hands going, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? It's not how it works. Okay, that was free. Verse 7. And Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to get a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, But how far will that go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down about how many? Let's try that again. About 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated how much? How much? As much as they wanted, thank you, brother. This this guy's going to be a preacher right here. As much as they wanted. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first biblical account of the very first Golden Corral. As much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled how many baskets? Twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Wow. This story is crazy. Okay. Some of you are looking at me like this happens every Tuesday at your work. This story is bonkers. Do we have any teachers in the room? Yes, thank you. Right down here, wonderful. Any other teachers? Yes, show your love for teachers in the room. Are there specifically any math teachers in the room? Any math teachers? I saw somebody pointing at someone. They're not wanting to admit it, but yes, yes, thank you. You know, this doesn't have anything to do with my sermon either, but last Christmas I was in Cincinnati and ran in to my high school algebra teacher. And I said, Tom, just wanted to let you know this is the 35th year in a row I haven't used algebra. (laughs) It gets better. He said, you were an idiot in high school. You're still an idiot today. (laughs) There we go. All right, here we go. Let's get started. Okay. Math teacher. Where's our math teacher? This is not a trick question. Would you please answer this on the board? Seven, that's what it is in Missouri. Praise the Lord. Okay. If you don't get anything else out of this message this morning, get this. 
Hold on to this, write down to this. You ready? When God's in the equation, all bets are off. Wait, and you want God in your equation. Okay, so let's try that again. According to the passage of scripture we just read, five plus two equals what? 5,000, okay, who said, who said 5,000? Yeah, right, right down here, yeah. Okay, so whoever said 5,000, that's a really good answer, but they don't give a rip about women and children, right? Because what? It said 5,000 men. But if we take the culture and the context of Jewish history, there's at least three children. That is conservative on the low side. Probably many more. We have three children and a mom. What do we got going here? Oh, that 20,000 is a great answer, okay? So 20,000, but because Pastor Benny is a theologian and a biblical scholar, and he is tied to biblical accuracy, we read to the end of the passage, and what do we find out? Yes, sir, 12 baskets left over. So 5 plus 2 equals 20,000, remainder 12. Wow. All right, here we go. I need math teacher one more time. Not a trick question. Option number one, option number two. She's somewhere in the back here. Which number is bigger? <laughs> number two. Ding, 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 ding. When God is in the equation, all bets are off. And ladies and gentlemen, you want God in your equation. Now, <clears throat> so Pastor Kelly was telling me earlier that she received a phone call this morning from another pastor's wife in Baltimore. They were kind of checking up on each other and the lady says to Pastor Kelly, I believe that today is going to be a miraculous day in your church. And Pastor Kelly and I did not compare notes. And what I had written in my sermon, she had not seen. And I didn't know she had a phone call from this lady in Baltimore until the first service. But when we get on board with where God the Father's heart is, that's where miracles happen. And lost people matter to God, so they better matter to the church. She read that none should perish. There's not a set of eyes that you will ever lock in with that Jesus doesn't love. Okay? So, number one, if you're taking notes, a miracle always starts with somebody. A miracle always starts with somebody. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a somebody. A miracle always starts with somebody. Now check this out. If this little boy doesn't share his lunch, we don't have this story. We're not talking about this this morning. It's not in the canon of scripture. This boy doesn't share what he has in his hand, and we're not talking about this this morning. And I would submit to you, I have an almost 21-year-old son and almost 18-year-old son. And the fact that this boy shared his lunch may be more miraculous than 20,000 people being fed. 
I even go for one fry on their tray at McDonald's. They're cracking the back of my hand. This is a miracle. A miracle always starts with somebody. Number two, miracles happen in the atmosphere of obedience. Now, here's an equation. It's not a math equation, but you're going to want to write this down, and you're going to want to keep this, maybe even on your nightstand or on your bathroom mirror or somewhere where you see it every day. Simply this. God's prompting plus obedience always equals the miraculous. Whatever God is prompting you to do, if you obey that prompting, step back and watch a miracle happen in your life. Because... When God's in the equation, all bets are off. And you want God in your equation. Number three, when we do what we can, God himself does what we can't. You may have walked in here this morning and you thought, you know, whatever I do for one day to feed the world, it's, it's probably not going to move the needle. And I would tell you you're wrong. That's like the boy saying, well, what good is my lunch going to do for all these people on the hillside? But when you invite God into the equation, everything changes. When we do what we can, God himself does what we can't. Number four. This is probably the most important part of the message right here. It's all about listening to the prompting and acting in obedience. It's all about listening to the prompting and acting in obedience. How many of you know we can be obedient and have a bad attitude in the wrong heart? If you're not sure how that actually works, it goes something like this. Pretend for a moment, I know this has never happened in your home, that you ask your teenage son to take the trash out on Tuesday night. And he's in the middle of some game on his Sony PlayStation. The trash got to the end of the driveway, but there's a giant liquid skid down the whole driveway because he was mad he had to put his game down and go do his chore, right? That's obedience with a bad attitude and the wrong heart. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to tell you a story. When I finish this story, your first thought is going to be, thank God Pastor Benny is our pastor and not Brad. So just remember that. So I was pastoring in Cincinnati, and uh, I pastored there for 21 years. That's a long time in one place. And so this guy calls the receptionist, and she's relaying this message to me. She said, Pastor, there's some guy, and his son is on life support at the hospital. There's no brainwave activity. He's gone. They're going to shut the, um, the life support off, and he wants, the guy wants you to come over and pray last rites over him. So this guy doesn't go to our church. I've never met him. He's never met me. He doesn't go to our church. So I start going, man, I've got a busy day. I don't have, I don't know this guy. I'm not Catholic. I don't know how to play, pray last rites. I'm trying to give all these excuses, right? And the Holy Spirit says, go pray for him. So then on the drive to the hospital, I'm explaining to the Lord why I don't need to be there and I'm too busy. This is when you go, thank God, Pastor Benny's my pastor. So I get to the hospital, I go up to ICU, walk in the room, brainwave activity, flatline, nothing. So I start praying, I say, Lord, I just pray 
that you would comfort this father. This has to be the worst day of his life. Your word tells us that you're close to the brokenhearted. And while I'm praying for the father, the Holy Spirit says, put your hand on the kid's head. It's as true as I can tell you. So then, while I'm praying out loud for the Father, I'm trying to explain to the Lord why the kid isn't the one that needs to be prayed for. Have any of you ever served as a consultant to the Lord? Right. All I got was, put your hand on the kid's head. So I put my hand on the kid's head, and it was so hot, it almost burnt my hand. That's how hot his forehead was. Did what I was told, go back to praying. Lord, your word tells us that the Holy Spirit's the great comforter. Would you wrap your big loving arms around this father today? And while I'm praying for the father again, this kid sits straight up in bed. Scared me to death. I almost died of a heart attack in the hospital. And the father goes, what did you do? And I said, I don't know. And the nurse comes running in from ICU and she goes, what did you do? I said, I don't know. And I looked down to see if I was standing on his oxygen line. Thank God I wasn't. Church, this is 100% true. And God wanted me to know early on in my ministry that anything good that ever happened in my ministry had nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. It's all about listening to the prompting and acting in obedience, whatever that is. Number five, this boy gave what he had in his hand and he celebrated the miracle the rest of his life. I mean, this is, how many of you got that one uncle that's gonna show up at Thanksgiving this year and try to top every story at the table? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe an aunt. But check this out. He gave what he had in his hand, and he celebrated this miracle the rest of his life. I mean, think about this. Like, fast forward the clock 60 years. His grandkids are running up to him going, Grandpa, Grandpa, tell us the lunch story again. You gave your lunch to Jesus, and 20,000 people were fed, and there were 12 baskets left over? That's right, buddy. I mean, some of you are looking at me like, I got a better story than that. I, I don't have anything else here. Can you imagine this? This is incredible. He gave what he had in his hand. God got in the equation, and he celebrated that miracle the rest of his life. A miracle could happen in this house this morning. When my wife and I lived uh, in Sykesville, we were youth pastors at Trinity in Baltimore. And uh, so, you know, the traffic around here, sometimes it would take us an hour to get to work in the morning. So we used that time to do our devotions together. How many of you are work smarter, not harder, guys? Yeah, yeah we might as well double up here. So uh, I had an 85 Honda Accord with a sweet tape player. And I had a Hosanna Integrity worship tapes. How many of you remember those? I'd pop some Don Moen in, pop an old Don Moen tape in. We'd listen to worship and these distorted speakers. And then my wife would read a chapter from scripture and then we'd pray together. And let me just throw this, this is another free one. If you're praying 
in the car on 270 or 95. Don't ever close your eyes. The Lord doesn't, the Lord doesn't want you to do that. And so we pray together, and so we're praying on the way to work, and I felt like the Lord dropped something in my heart. So I said, Angie, well, I was just praying. I felt like the Lord told me that we're supposed to give $50 to Dave, one of the other pastors on staff, and tell him to take his boys out for pizza tonight. And she was like, oh, my spirit totally bears witness with that. But she's like, I think you should tell him to take the boys to Chuck E. Cheese. I was like, as the spiritual head of this home, when God talks to us about blessing people and doing things, he doesn't ever address the topic of Chuck E. Cheese, all right? If you want something worse than COVID, go to Chuck E. Cheese. Get in the skee-ball section. She's like, whatever. So then we had to pop in some Don Moen and get our hearts right again, get our relationship back together. So she calls me at lunchtime, right? She goes, have you done what God told you to do? And I was like, no. She's like, well, you better do what God told you to do. And I was like, you better get back to work, you know? Then I had to put some more Don Moen music on. She calls me at 5 o'clock. She says, have you done what God told you to do? And I was like, I backed up my rolling chair at my desk. I'm like, I'm on my way. Because I didn't want to lie. I walked down the hallway. Yeah. Hey, Dave, can I come in? Yeah, man, no problem. I said, hey, I don't want this to be weird or awkward, but I was praying this morning, and I felt like God prompted me to do something. I'm supposed to give you some money and then be in the mighty man of faith that I am. I threw my wife under the bus and said, and Angie thinks you should take your boys to Chuck E. Cheese. Like, I wasn't attaching my name to that. You know, I knew the giving thing was right, but. So he comes around his desk, right? And he leans, he leans back on it, and he puts his head down, and his glasses slide to the front of his nose. Tears start coming out from under his glasses. And I'm like, what's going on, man? I'm sorry if I offended you. He's like, no, no, no. You have no idea what's going on. I said, tell me what's happening. He said, today is Joey's birthday, my oldest boy. He's nine years old today. Before I left the house this morning, the very last thing he said to me was, Dad, is there any way we can go to Chuck E. Cheese for my birthday? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that has become the miraculous story of our lives. Because if God cared enough to make sure that a nine-year-old little boy got the desires of his heart on his birthday, that another couple who didn't have children, wasn't even thinking about children, had no idea it was his birthday, and God connects all those dots. How many of you know when we do what we can, God does what we can't? When God is in the equation, all bets are off, and you want God in your equation. Now, let me give you this final thought for your notes this morning. Charity says, you can have the crumbs and leftovers from my table, but radical generosity says, I want to give you a seat at the table. That's what people who live lives of radical generosity do. They give people a seat at the table. 
God's probably not asking you to feed 20,000 people today, but I absolutely believe he's asking you to share what you have in your hand. Here are some harsh realities that you may not know. Do you know there are 2.4 billion people in the world who live on less than $2.50 a day? We need your help meeting the needs of poor and suffering. Some children can't hear the good news over the groans of their stomachs. Feeding their stomachs is the way to their hearts. Did you know that 16,000 children a day die of dirty water or hunger-related issues? 16,000. That number is so big we can't wrap our minds around it, so I tried to give an illustration that may help us. A 747 jet holds about 500 people. So I want you to think for a moment that every single morning when you get up and turn on Good Morning America or the Today Show, that the first report is 32 747 jets just plunged into the earth full of passengers every single day. That's 16,000 children. In a few moments, Pastor Benny's gonna come up and close our time together. You may be sitting here thinking, well, how can I help? What can, what can I do? And when you come into a mission service, if you're like me, you kind of had a number in your head of what you thought you were gonna do. And when you think about it and pray about it and ask the Lord to speak to you, that number changes. And my life, every time that's happened, the number the Lord gave me was a bigger number than I had when I came in. But here's what I can promise you is true. I would rather do God's number with his help than my number by myself. Because when God's in the equation, all bets are off. And you want God in your equation. In 1986, I went on my very first mission trip ever to Caracas, Venezuela. Preached my very first sermon ever there. I was 15 years old. Guess what I preached on my very first sermon? John 3.16, it's the only verse I knew, but it's all there. For God so loved the world that he gave. Did you know you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving? When we were in Venezuela in 86, it was prosperous, there was vegetation, there was oil, the boulevard was strong. Unbelievable opportunity to proclaim the gospel in streets. Now fast forward the clock to 2019. The country completely imploded. No money, no food, no oil, no jobs, no hope, no opportunity, nothing. And then overnight, 25% of the population left the country, fled, almost all of them men, leaving behind women and children. These women were left with babies on their chest and toddlers in their hands. No food, no money, no jobs, nothing. As they would walk with their baby and a toddler across Venezuela to get to the border of Colombia, there's a long concrete bridge at that border 
at that border on that concrete bridge, at the very end of that concrete bridge, when you take your first steps into Columbia, there's a red umbrella at the end of that. This was taken by one of our team members. For those of you who do not speak Spanish, what that cardboard sign says on that red umbrella is, we buy hair. And these women, with a baby on their chest and a toddler in their hand, with thick, rich, black hair, would sit down underneath that red umbrella and have their head shaved to sell their hair so they could buy one more meal for their kid. When Convoy heard about this, we said, not on our watch. And since that moment, we've been on that border with the same missionary I was with in 1986. On that border, we have personally ministered to over 2 million women and children and have provided for them over 30 million meals. Because when we do what we can, God himself will do what we can't. As we come to this one day to feed the world offering, I wanted to tell you a story of the last time I was in Cincinnati as a pastor. We had done one day to feed the world 18 years in a row. There's a guy in our church, his wife died of a heroin overdose. He lost his job because he was trying to help her get off drugs and had to miss so much work. She overdosed on heroin, passed away. They had three boys under the age of six. He lost his job, he lost his wife, he had nothing and was trying to take care of these three little boys. And he said, Pastor, I want you to help me. I wanna do something for one day to feed the world. I wanna make a difference, but I don't have a job and I need someone to watch my kids. But if you would help me, I have an idea. He said, if you would give me some buckets and some hoses, some sponges and some Dawn dishwashing detergent and find somebody to take care of my three boys on the Saturday before the one day service on Sunday, I'd like to wash cars in the church parking lot for donation and just see what God might do. I said, we'll do that. My secretary babysat his three boys the entire day. I drove up and down in front of the church about six or seven times just to see how he was doing throughout the day. That Sunday morning, he came running down this left aisle, never seen someone so happy holding money in his hands. He said, Pastor, you're not gonna believe what happened yesterday. He said, I have no job, I've lost my wife, got these three boys, but I'm so excited to give to people who are in a worse situation than I am. He said, yesterday, just washing cars in the church parking lot, so I got $500 to care for the poor and suffering. I said, it's unbelievable. He said, but what's better than that? He said, I've never been happier. It's so exciting for me to be able to give this today because I know God's going to do something miraculous. When we do what we can, God himself does what we can't. This morning, as we come into this time of commitment, you may have already prayed about it and know what the Lord's told you to do and that's wonderful but some of you people typically give out of two ways they either give out of logic they think about their bank account or checking and say I think I could do that or they give out of emotion they're overwhelmed that a mother would shave her head and sell her hair to buy her children one more meal I don't want you to give out of logic and I don't want you to give out of emotion but I would like for you to take a moment and say, God, what are you asking me to do? Because when God is in the equation, all bets are off.
God's prompting plus obedience always equals the miraculous. God may ask you to give one day. God may ask you to give two days. A guy in my church, when we took our time of prayer and commitment, he said, God specifically said to me, give a week of my annual salary. Another guy came up, the last person who talked to me said, Pastor, when I prayed, God told me to give a month of my annual salary. I'm not asking any of you to do that, but I'm asking you to say, God, what are you asking me to do? I wanna hear your voice. I wanna obey that prompting, and I wanna watch the miracle happen. Can you receive that this morning? Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, right now, please, God, speak to us. We want to hear you. We don't want to hear about you. We want to hear you. Would you speak to us this morning? Give me the wisdom to hear your voice and prompting and the courage to do it. Lord, speak to me today. Speak to me, Lord. Just take a moment and ask God to speak to you right now with, with everything else quiet and, and closed out around you. Just say, God, what are you asking me to do right now? Listen to his prompting. Listen to his nudges and have the courage to say yes, Lord. On behalf of the 465,000 children we feed every school day, on behalf of the 34,000 women we've empowered with their own business, on behalf of the 27,000 farmers globally in our agriculture, and on behalf of the millions that we have helped in humanitarian crisis and disasters, I want to say a huge, huge thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you, Pastor Benny. I know you're getting your gifts ready. I'm gonna put on the screen the ways to give for you. If, you're, uh, if you've got cash or check, you can put that in an envelope. And uh, in that envelope, in fact, if you're writing a check, just write it to Calvary. Put uh, in the memo that check, you can put One Day to Feed the World or Convoy of Hope or something along those lines. And what we'll do is we'll put all of those funds together and send one check to Convoy of Hope. So if you've got the cash or check, you can put that in that envelope that is right there on your seat. You've probably already pulled it out. Now, if you're like the Ferguson family, we give online. That's how we do. I think our, our uh, bank account is connected somehow. Uh, Kelly takes care of all of that for us. Uh, but we give online. If that's you and like, I want to give online, uh, you can do that as well. You saw the ways to give on the screen. There's a, there's a QR code there right in front of you too. If you will scan that code, it'll take you right to this link tree. And one of those links is the way that you can give Online, So if that's you, you, you can do that as well. If you're watching online, just go to calvarymd.com and follow the links where you can give online as well. Now on that online link, you can designate your giving. 
Now this is not our tithes and our this is not tithes, right? We give the first 10% back to the stores out back, back to the Lord. So this is above and beyond your tithes. So Kelly and I, we've already uh, we've already uh, brought our tithes to the storehouse. Now on top of that, we're bringing an offering, one day to feed the world offering. And uh, the, the 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 idea is that we give one day's wages so that someone else can have a meal. Now, we had someone ask uh, uh, this last week, now, am I supposed to, you say divided by 365 days, but, you know, we don't work 365 days. Uh, are, we, are you sure we're not supposed to divide that number by 240? I'm like, I don't know. I, you can divide it by 365 or 240 or 100 or whatever, however many days you work. But I said, I'm not here to be the Holy Spirit for you, right? You listen to the prompting of the Spirit of God and respond accordingly. I love that formula that Pastor Brad laid out for us. He's going to prompt you, but then we have to add the obedience before the miracle happens, right? He prompted the, the young boy with the five loaves and the two fish. But it wasn't until he obeyed and put his lunch into the hands of Jesus that the miraculous took place. So I would just want to encourage you right here, right now, let's obey what the Spirit of God is speaking. It's one thing to hear his voice that both Pastor Brad and Kelly were talking about. It's another thing to obey. And so we want to hear his voice, and then we want to act accordingly. Now, I think I've given you enough time to prepare your offering. Now, if you did, uh, like Kelly and I do, give online, go ahead and bring that envelope down anyways. We've talked about the last few months how there's something that happens in the spiritual when we take an act in the physical. So you may have already given online, but just write down on there, hey, I gave my one day's wage there online, but I just wanted to come down and be a part of, of this offering together. So Pastor Sean and the team, they're going to sing. But before they do that, can we all stand across this room? You may need to wait a moment or two and let the aisles clear because there's going to be hundreds of you that comes down and are going to give. And then as soon as you're done giving, uh, you are free uh, to go back to your seat because I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. But these uh, little boys, and don't these little boys and girls look great, by the way? Thank you, Pastor Milton. They're your kids. I'm bragging on your, don't these kids look good? Yeah, they're your kids. So uh, they're kind of, they're going to represent someone that you are going to feed today on the other side of the world. So let's sing together now. Holy is the Lord.